here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Robin McCarron. And then two weeks after that, we got Money in the Bank. And then two weeks after that, we got Starcade. And then two weeks after that, we got Halloween Havoc. Jeff Hawkins. I'm Dana Brooke. You're listening to Shake Them Ropes with Rob McCarron and Jeff Hawkins. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Shake Them Ropes, episode 126. Rob McCarron here alongside Jeff Hawkins, who is luckily not in prison. Unlike some other people we know. Prisoner number 2015-425, McMahon, comma, Vincent Kennedy, crime, assaulting a police officer. Length of sentence, two hours, give or take. Two hours. He was was processed, booked, put in there. Jerry McDevitt shows up, gets him out. Gosh, Rob, it seems like only yesterday we were trying to record Shake Them Ropes. Because we yeah. were. <laughs> uh, this, uh, this episode brought to you by Wednesday, uh, as Tuesday has dropped out of being a sponsor. Um, we were, yeah, we tried to do the show yesterday, and we were on the phone for an hour and recorded approximately 15 seconds of audio. Yeah, the fine folks at Cox Communications decided that'd be the day to upgrade everybody in my parents' neighborhood. Internet, cable, et cetera, et cetera. So Rob said, look, you son of a bitch, you get on a plane earlier in the morning to Burbank and get to your house or I'm doing the show with Rich Krejci. And I said, you know, I like Rich, but uh, I got to do my time. It was an empty threat, too, because Rich didn't want to do this show. <laughs> Rich has got too many things going on. I mean, the Voices of Wrestling New Japan Pro Wrestling ebook is one week away. Yes. So he's got way too much going on. Uh, what we have going on today, one day later, we're going to talk a few highlights from WWE Raw. We're going to talk about uh, some of our best ofs, the best of 2015, some of the things we'll remember about this year, and a match I'm really excited about, Jeff. Vader, Ric Flair. Is that sarcasm or no? I'm excited for this match. Okay, because you said, I have a lot to say about this match. I went, oh, man, did he get pissed at it? Okay. No, I have a lot to say because this match was awesome. And okay. we'll talk about it tonight on the show, Shake Them Ropes. Uh, Ric Flair Vader from Starcade 1993 is match number 51 on our countdown, which means, Jeff, we're halfway through. Woohoo! We are halfway through the top 100 matches to see before you die. Uh, one year, one and a half years it might be, actually after this list finally uh, came out from WWE.com. So we're going to talk about all that. And I have a very special year-end NXT power rankings. <laughs> okay. So much to get to, Jeffrey. But what is the uh, what is the biggest thing on your mind with, uh, with pro wrestling? Here we sit on Wednesday. The year is almost over. It is December 30th. Uh, we have one more day of this year. Where do you stand on the world of pro wrestling? What do you mean? 
I mean, as a whole? Yeah, maybe uh, WWE, NXT as a whole, as we go into 2016. I mean, this year, I think we can both agree, wasn't stellar. But it was kind of a change of pace year. I mean, we have... This was the first year John Cena did not main event a single pay-per-view this year. He didn't mm. main event one pay-per-view. He was not the last match on the show on any pay-per-view this year. Uh, a lot of U.S. title matches happening on, on the undercards, a lot of semi-main events. But, I mean, this was a year of transition in a way, whether it be forced or whether it be by choice. This was a year of transition. So where do you kind of stand, as before we talk about this Raw, going into 2016, coming off of 2015? Where are you? Where's your mind at on WWE right now? I'm cautiously optimistic about NXT continuing to grow, continuing to get new talent. Um, I've lost faith in the main roster overall as a whole product. I think there are parts of the main roster that are still shining bright spots, but you know, they'll, they'll do well in the build to Royal Rumble. They'll do well in the build to WrestleMania for the programs that they care about. But yeah. you know, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, you're not too sure about the rest of it. To me, they don't seem to learn what works here and why it's working because they dismiss the NXT thing as some sort of niche, a few hardcore fans. It's the same way they kind of viewed ECW in a way back in the day. Yeah. Oh, that's not really wrestling. That's not really something that people could possibly enjoy. What they enjoy is what we give them. McMahons and mm -hmm. more McMahons mm -hmm. and more and more McMahons. And you're uh -huh. just like, I, I'm just like, I, I wish there was some way I, cause just with the whole divas revolution this past year, I, I'm kind of thinking, do they have, they, do they learn, do they learn why people get excited for NXT Brooklyn? Right. And then they do a raw in Brooklyn that stinks <laughs> and they don't know why. You know, it, it it's frustrating to me a bit, but, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm going to find the things I like. I still like the network mostly for the historical stuff. And, yeah, and you had a lot more historical stuff. So, yeah. I mean, that's a good sign for 2016, right? That there even more historical stuff might be coming on the network. Uh, you know, I, and I've gotten used to, and I love this. Uh, if the network went away, I may be done with WWE pay-per-views because I've gotten yeah. so used to just watching them, paying the $10 a month for the pay-per-views watching them on the network from home uh i if if they went away from this network and there's n you know there's no chance at this point they're going to but if they went away from this network and put pay-per-views back on pay-per-view wwe would be really in trouble oh i agree but i i i, I agree i i like the historical stuff that's being added i like the network that's being uh that's being presented at this time more and more nitros will come up so i'll be really into that Main roster, I love the talent that's on the roster, especially when yeah. you have, you know, I, I'm a fan of Roman Reigns as far as, uh, you know, what the potential is there for him. Uh, not so much of how they present him before this title run. Uh, there's a lot of names there. NXT, obviously, is a bright spot. There's a lot of news surrounding NXT. Um, it's a very intriguing year, but it really depends on, like, I think WrestleMania this year is going to be the linchpin of what we remember 2016 as because it is going to be the biggest WrestleMania. Uh, it came out this week that The Rock will be there, whether he's in a match or whether he's just appearing there, we don't know yet. Uh, but th this WrestleMania is really big, more so than what I think the one in Santa Clara was last year. 
uh, because you do have the change of pace as far as the names involved. You have Roman Reigns on top and not a established name from the past. Uh, it, it's going to be really big, and we're going to find that out here in the coming you know, next two or three months. Yeah, I think so. But uh, but going into WWE, yeah, I think, I, I mean, I hope it's better than what 2015 was, at least for Raw. I mean, that that's the one downside, right? That, you know, the three hours, which is the glaring product of WWE, this three-hour Raw, and that was the downside. There was a lot of good stuff, but this Raw was really a down a downside to WWE. So they just kind of got to fix Raw, right? Uh, yeah, and the problem with fixing Raw is that it's become a three-hour behemoth that they need to fill time on, and they don't, and they look like they're just filling time. Uh, the the corollary I always give for Raw, the state of Raw right now is Sons of Anarchy. Uh-huh. Um, Kurt Sutter was kind of the what you'd call the Paulie, Paul Heyman of the room, of the writer's room of the Shield. He's this creative genius with all these out pushing the envelope ideas and stuff. And he had a showrunner who could kind of control him and was a filter. And then Sutter gets his own show, Sons of Anarchy. And the first two seasons are really, really solid. And then the third season, the show goes off a cliff. Mm-hmm. And then in subsequent seasons, it becomes about you know, writing role, stronger storylines for his wife, who was a star on the show yeah, and putting his kids in the writer's room and getting them involved. And it becomes kind of that Raw's become a three hour vanity project for the McMahons instead of a, instead of a product that highlights the talent that they have. And that's a problem. And there are ways to fix it within even the WWE's own kind of guideline of what they want for a product. But as I said earlier in the year, right now it is a branding mechanism that uses wrestling as a product rather than a wrestling promotion that's trying to solidify itself as a wrestling promotion. Yeah, it's I mean, you're right. It's not a wrestling promotion anymore. I mean, wrestling is their brand. Wrestling isn't even their brand. I mean, the superstars are kind of their brand. Yeah, they're each their own individual brand. And and the problem here is. WWE is the Coca-Cola company, and Coke's a great product. But Coke also makes Sprite. And if they didn't market Sprite as a great individual beverage and said only buy Coke, they'd have a problem on their hands. And that's what WWE kind of does with their stars and everybody else. Yeah, I'm, uh, it'll be an interesting year, but uh, we'll talk about some of the things we really loved about 2015 because it wasn't all bad. I mean, there was a lot of good stuff. Uh, but talking about this Raw, so we're a couple of days removed from Raw, the last Raw of 2015 now. You were watching it in Arizona. You were traveling, which is really why we couldn't do the show yesterday. You were traveling and had you know, connectivity issues, mm-hmm. but you are back home. Yes. Um, and I forget already because my memory is the worst. My right. memory is just absolutely horrid. Uh, I have notes on Raw, thank God, because I'll, otherwise I would forget it. Are you going to PWG on Saturday? I believe I am, yeah. And it is Saturday, right? It's not Friday? Correct. Okay. So you're going to PWG, Pro Wrestling Gorilla. Does that show have a name, by the way? Do you know? Uh Oh, I thought it did, and I can't remember it. It might have a name. <laughs> I, I can't remember either. Uh, so you're going to PWG. So your year is starting off early as far as live uh, pro wrestling goes. Yeah, and not only that, I'm going to uh, a Lucha Underground taping next Are week. you really? Yeah. Lucha Underground taping for Jeff uh-huh. Hawkins. You are expanding. I'm a I'm a guest of uh, someone there. Oh, okay. All right. What a big shot. 
No, not really. Jeff Hawkins, <laughs> such a big shot. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening to uh, you and I had a lot of fun doing the Christmas show that we put out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Christmas mailbag where we answered wrestling and non-wrestling questions. Um, there is still time to go listen to that show if you have not already. If you are like, oh, they put out a show on Christmas. I didn't see that. You can go voicesofwrestling.com slash STR. It is up there. The Christmas mailbag show where we took your questions from Twitter, Facebook, email, and answered them all as a little bonus gift uh, for all of you. The Christmas show. Go listen to that. Um a little gift for me on Christmas was watching this Vader Ric Flair match that we're going to talk about too. But I wanted to, I mean, this match had a lot of built angles and I was so into the angle, just watching the, you know, the first five minutes of the show that you made sure I watched. Yeah. Starcade 1993. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to make sure you watched that. I wasn't sure if you were going to No, but watching the first five, six minutes of that show. Okay. And then watching the Ric Flair Vader match. I was super into that match. Mm-hmm. partly because of all the stuff that was going on beforehand and the title versus career. They made that match meaningful to me after only watching five minutes of that very TV show. And you don't get that with WWE anymore. Um, Vince McMahon was on the show. He started off raw. They did the arrest angle where usually like if it was Steve Austin or if it was, um, they've done this angle with other people. Uh, WCW did this angle too with Goldberg where you get arrested at the beginning of the show and then somehow he breaks out and it's a big return at the end of the show and it makes viewers stay to the show. Uh, This time, they actually did the angle with Stephanie too, if I'm not mistaken, with the Bellas. They did this angle with Stephanie. Uh, So it's now time where you're not getting the wrestlers over by getting the arrest and then the comeback. You are arresting the owner now. Like the only people who can get one over on the owners are the police department, not the wrestlers. Oh, I, you know, I had almost tuned out of this show even before this because that promo that Vince cuts on Roman Reigns angered me to no end. And I haven't, I I actually broke one of my Cardinals rules and I don't listen to feedback about Raw. Uh And I didn't hear this on any of the shows that I I listened to. So I'm going to go into it. Okay. That line from Vince Oh, about the, you yeah. being one generation away from having a bone in your nose. All right, let, let's establish a couple things here. They've been trying this whole soft racism to hard racism thing to get Roman Reigns over since September of last year when Seth called him a Neanderthal and a gorilla. And then they did it again for the WrestleMania build with Heyman cutting the promo saying that he was one generation away from cannibalism. Being Samoan is not part of Roman Reigns' quote-unquote gimmick. It is part of who he is. All right? And this kind of trolling doesn't get a hero's sympathy if it's not really a part of his identity right now. It can be later, but it's not right now. This would work with the Usos who do a Samoan tribute act, but it wouldn't here. And for Vince, it makes him... It makes me not even care that he's going to jail because he goes from evil promoter to evil racist promoter by continuing this tale about how he took the Samo- wild Samoans and he worked them to the bone and paid them peanuts. That's not Vince being evil promoter. That's Vince being evil racist promoter. If he wants to be evil promoter, then he should tell Roman, okay, I have six dates. You as a champion need to fill them all or I'm going to strip you of the belt. That's easy enough to do. This put an entire new layer of filth on the whole thing. I mean, filth is the only word I can think of right now. 
to the point where I can't concentrate on Vince being an evil promoter because everything after he said the racist line came off as racist to me. And that's disturbing because you said it yourself. It, it, it you know, it makes the only way anybody can get anything over on the McMahons is throwing them in jail. I, I don't know how you felt about this. I, you know, I can accept certain racist things in wrestling that won't get my dander up to the point, but with Vince and the WWE being this corporate company that we play bad guys on TV and, you know, having bullying be a big part of their corporate image, again, I know I harp on this a lot, it, it just doesn't, not only does it not ring true, it rings lazy to me as lazy writing. The reason Roman Reigns isn't over isn't because we haven't said enough bad things about Roman Reigns, okay? And, and the only reason they can go to his race is because if they say he's not talented, then we'll start to turn on him on that. The reason Roman Reigns isn't over is because he hasn't beat a credible villain yet. In comic books, sure, you can beat up geek villains and buffoons and bloviating guys, but the real villains that, they, that make the hero great are competent. And Roman Reigns hasn't faced a competent villain yet. You had two chances to do that so far. You had Seth Rollins and Sheamus because Roman Reigns' big weakness is situational awareness. And those two exploited it. And had they cut promos playing that up, you could have built it up a bit. But they didn't here. And so this whole stupid promo that Vince did, and Vince... You'll appreciate this. My note here was, Vince looks like Vince Scully right now with that terrible hair dye that doesn't match anything in his hair and out 20-year-old outdated suits. He looks like Vince Scully to me. Um, yeah, he does a little bit. But uh, <laughs> yeah, when when that line came up, I uh, I didn't watch Raw Live. I wasn't able to watch Raw Live, so I ended up watching it on Tuesday morning. And I had heard a little, uh, just you know, going through the Twitter timeline, you know, seeing that some people had made mention of the bone through your nose. And I was wondering what exactly that meant. And then I watched it. I'm like, yep, there it is. Uh, it didn't necessarily bother me too much because after all, WWE, while being super weird and sometimes half TV show, half, you know, based on reality, you know, you have the TV care, the wrestlers themselves are supposed to be those people when they become signed to WWE. Like that's their name now instead of just a character name. It, it WWE is weird. Pro wrestling is weird. But I still try to, on a lot of different occasions, you know, try to try to put it in the realm of a different TV show. Like Vince McMahon was the old, you know, boss guy who might be a little racist, and he's trying to get under the skin of Roman Reigns because Roman Reigns is the protagonist. And if this were another show, say on HBO, you're not going to hate the TV show. Maybe you're not going to hate the person who portrays that character for saying a line like that. So. When something like this happens, whether Vince McMahon, the person, you know, thinks that way or not, I I try not to get bothered by it when it's said on TV. Okay, I'm not. I wasn't bothered by it per se as racist. I was bothered more by it as lazy. Okay, because yeah, it, it is that it is that too. Because and also the fact that Roman stood there and took it. That's the other thing. Is they make their heel or they make their faces and heels stand there and take lines that if anybody in any normal situation were in. Someone said that to me. I'm grabbing him by the lapels at the very least. I'm punching him at the in the face at most. Well, you see, Roman Reigns didn't just stand there and took it. 
and take it. He gently grabbed Vince and pushed him over. (laughs) Yeah. So he didn't just stand there and take it. And that is where we got to the police angle where Vince was uh, was wanting the security that they had paid for to arrest Roman Reigns. The New York Police Department did not want to do this uh, frivolous arrest. So they start getting in a fight. And boy, did this figurehead guy for the police on this Raw really have it out for Stephanie. Stephanie wasn't even really in this guy's face that much. He's like, if you get in my face, I'm going to arrest you of all people. It's the most patient police detective ever. Also pretty, pa- pretty patient, but at the same time, really aggressive towards the one who, for most of this angle, was the furthest away from him. I mean, Vince was in his face the whole time. Stephanie wasn't. Uh, it was just, it was a weird angle. So they they arrest Vince. He gets kicked out. And and Roman Reigns is uh, disappeared, basically, from Raw until the final the final segment of the show. Uh, but all- and, that became, and that became the story of, is Vince out of jail yet? Who the F cares? Yeah, it was. It was, it was the Vince McMahon, because we needed to see Vince back. Right. Like it's not Roman Reigns. Like I really want to see Roman Reigns back. Or yeah. I really want to see the guy that we're cheering for back. I can't believe they were they screwed him and they arrested him and took him off this TV show. It was Vince McMahon's gone. OK. I mean, all he was doing was hurting the guy we like. So good riddance to you. Mm-hmm. But no, he came back at the end of the show uh, and made a world title match for next week's Raw. Sheamus, Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns has got to win. But this is basically to get Sheamus away from him. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I know the ending of it already. I don't know if you do. Think- Ooh. Does Jeff Hawkins know the ending of Seamus and Roman Reigns? Dun, 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 dun. What is what do you think is going to happen with Seamus and Roman Reigns? It's going to be something where where one of the two knock out Vince and Roman lifts up Vince's hand to count the one, two, three for the victory. That's right, because Vince McMahon is going to be the special guest referee. Right. Uh, um, I. Especially with John Cena back, because John Cena came back and won via disqualification against Alberto Del Rio, so no U.S. title change. Yeah. But it certainly seems like, you know, when Triple H comes back, because Triple H is going to be back soon, most likely, when Triple H comes back, he's going to Roman Reigns. So you have the League of Nations, who now don't have Roman to deal with, and it looks like Dean Ambrose is going with Kevin Owens. So what does the League of Nations do? And it looks like the League of Nations is going to be transferred to John Cena, where John Cena can just beat up all four of them. Probably because that's what helped get Roman over here. I mean, Alberto Del Rio came off like such a goofball here. And again, it's you need a villain that has motivation and is competent. And I liked the line, hey, I beat you before. I don't need to give you a title shot. And then John Cena goes, I'm questioning your manhood. Here's some rap references. And all of a sudden, Alberto Del Rio loses his shit. What the? No, walk away. Build this thing a little bit. Make me want to see it. I know. Well, the the interesting thing is John Cena was, and he, he talked about it in the promo. John Cena was defending the U S title all the time on raw. Like he made that his thing. It was the U S title open challenge. So if you were giving the belt to Alberto Del Rio and wanting to stretch a little time out, and maybe they don't want to stretch anything out with Alberto specifically, maybe it'll be John Cena and Sheamus in a program for a little bit. Right. But right. if you're Alberto Del Rio and he's the opposite of what John Cena is, he should not want to defend this title period. Correct. So and, why and is I, he I, I, giving I, I, into anything? Exactly. I just love that. I know what you're doing here, John. You're trying to trick me into fighting you. And all of a sudden, oh, Jay-Z, Notorious B.I.G., you're not a man. And Alberto just loses his shit. And I'm just like, you are such a dumbass. And this is <laughs> this is why people don't like Dolph Ziggler anymore, because he's a dumbass. Nobody wants to watch dumbasses fight. 
Yeah, Steve Austin, during his run, was not only a guy who could kick your ass, but he was also a guy who kept getting one over. He was the smart guy, you know, when he was, you know, using Linda McMahon, using Shane McMahon to get what he wanted, to get contracts signed in WWE, to get power in WWE. I mean, Steve Austin was always the guy who was, you know, he didn't look like he was going to be the smartest guy in the room, but he was smarter than Vince McMahon. I'll give you one more. I mean, a recent example. When they debuted Kevin Owens, he had a motive. I want titles to take care of my family. And he was competent. He went in there and he beat John Cena. Boom. Competent villain. That's how he got over so quick. And he could talk. And then they just turned him into this uh, rage-filled goober who can't think straight half the time. And, and you're like, okay, great. As soon as he got away from the John Cena program without any kind of, I mean, they just rushed that in three different weeks and you're just in two months, like a six month program rushed in two months. That, that might be one of the more memorable things of 2015 is the fact that Kevin Owens came in and beat John Cena. And then it was like, okay, we have to, like, we gave him the big win. That was a cool moment, but now we have to get everything back to where it was. Yeah. You exposed weakness in the hero and then the hero overcame without even really mentioning the weakness or thinking about it. So you're just like, eh, and now we're, now we've retconned it. Now we're back to, now we've rebooted the series at issue number one, John Cena, number one. It was a whirlwind for Kevin Owens because he went in as the NXT champion and then beat John Cena. And then in a matter of a month and a half, not even a month and a half, like a month and two days, uh, went from losing the NXT title, losing the rematch. And then, uh, losing to John Cena in two matches. And if they put the belt back on John Cena, it's going to happen to the next guy they bring up to do this too. If they put the belt back on him, because I I could see him transitioning to uh, Sheamus. You know, Alberto Del Rio does something else. It's Sheamus and John Cena, maybe to Royal Rumble until John Cena gets his real program. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even a way to keep John Cena out of the Royal Rumble match is to give him a, a match with Sheamus or the entire League of Nations. I don't know. Yeah, but something's going on there. Like you, we don't know. We don't know what the Royal Rumble has in store for us. We don't know. You know, um, one of the one of the guys on our timeline, uh, Sean Sapp, on our timeline, suggested that maybe Vince McMahon will be so angry with Roman Reigns that he will make Roman defend the championship at the Royal Rumble in the Royal Rumble match. Could okay. We, could we bring back that stipulation? Maybe could the Royal Rumble match this time not be because there's so much chaos with you know we don't know what the Rock's going to do, we don't know what the Undertaker's going to do. Is Brock Lesnar going to come back for the title or for something else? Like have the Royal Rumble match so you don't tie yourself into a corner. Have that match be for the championship. That would be the dumbest thing they could possibly do. Nothing could be dumber than that. You say? I don't think. I don't think so. Roman losing to uh, Santino wouldn't be dumber. I get your point. Like of the realistic things that would be done, that might keep, be the dumbest. But I, keep, I mean, it's an build interesting. Up Roman's, build up Roman's opponent in the Rumble match and have Roman and whoever wins that at WrestleMania. If you put Roman in the Royal Rumble and he wins it and he wins the title in there, he's going to get booed out of the building again yeah. for a second year. Yeah, it's going to be in uh, Orlando this year. And yeah, and, and that's the thing that they were doing with Roman when the crowd started to turn on Roman is give him the impossible odds and he keeps beating him no problem. Uh, you know, going, you know, one of 30 men of the Royal Rumble and defending that championship. Yeah, he'll get the Philly reaction, I think. Oh, oh, we don't want to see this. Because they, they've eliminated that kind of surprise factor out of the Rumble where anybody can win this because only two or three guys can and they never really tease you. They 
sometimes tease you in the final four with one guy who's right. making an incredible run, but they never tease you that it's 30 guys who can possibly win the thing. I was watching a clip of the year Alberto Del Rio won the 40-man rumble, mm-hmm. and Santino was the second to last elimination. He was the last elimination, actually. Well, the one that got me, the last time they really got me was when Mr. Perfect made that run on his return, when he yes. was in the Final Four with Stone Cold, and uh, I forget the other two, but Perfect I, being one of the last four in there and made me think for a moment he might win it. I love it because he came in, Mr. Perfect, I believe, I believe it was Mr. Perfect, came in when it was Triple H and Stone Cold mm-hmm. in the Royal Rumble, and he beat them up, you know, both of them. Yeah. That was good. I, I love that Mr. Perfect return. Mm-hmm. Didn't last very long. No. But I was always a big fan of Kurt Hennig. Um, my first exposure to Kurt Hennig was when, you know, obviously he came into uh, WCW because I was watching. So my first exposure to Kurt Hennig was when he was in the Four Horsemen and then turned on Ric Flair. Ah. At the fall brawl. Okay. That was my first exposure. Most hmm. of my first exposures, and this, you know, it's an age thing. I was 12. Most of my first exposures to all these guys was WCW. Or in the terms of Jeff Jarrett was WWE and then WCW. My first had, exposure to Sid was WCW. I had seen Kurt a little bit in AWA, and he was like, I was like, oh, he's okay. And then I started seeing those Mr. Perfect vignettes back in the day, and you're just yeah. like, man, they, they got something here. Right. They got it. They got something. Um, yeah, I Roman Reigns, I, I don't know what they're going to do with this Rumble. There's a lot of different uh, intriguing possibilities, not just with the Rumble winner, but who's in the Rumble and who's not and what they do with uh, everyone leading up to WrestleMania. Now, as we know from last year and from some pay-per-view years, the Rumble, for the most part, tells us where they're going to do, uh, where they're going to go towards WrestleMania, but it doesn't necessarily have to because you do have that fast lane pay per view. Uh, and Roman Reigns getting the title shot, you know, from the Royal Rumble, uh, that was still in doubt after fast lane. I remember a lot of people who thought Daniel Bryan might beat Roman Reigns at fast lane and end up getting the title shot. So I don't think we have to worry about that here because I think Daniel Bryan's going to be very far away. Yeah, not Daniel Bryan per se, but they they could still do some things uh, when it comes to Fastlane. Like Royal Rumble doesn't have to be the end all be all of, okay, this is where we're going to WrestleMania. No, and I know that, uh, you know, and they could always add another Elimination Chamber pay-per-view on the network in between too. They could. I don't think that's going to happen either. I don't believe so, but you never know. I mean, there could be a lot of things done. I mean, when you're talking about the second to last week of January until the first week of April, I mean, there's mm-hmm. two whole months they have to go through and fill TV time and fill, you know, advertisements for WrestleMania. It's a lot of different things they can do. Do you think uh, The Rock was announced disappearing? Do you think The Rock will wrestle on the show? No. They're, they've been very careful with the wording. Exactly. Where, you know, the article says he'll be appearing you know, he may host or be a guest referee or timekeep. Or or he could just do what he did the last couple of years and just appear. Although where it was a surprise the last two years, this time it's just, you know, you know he's going to appear at some point. So at some point on the show, he will come out to the ring and talk for a little bit. I don't think he'll be with Hogan. <laughs> he won't be with Hogan and Austin. He won't be with Ronda Rousey, most likely. But you never right. know. I mean, he could do he could do an angle with somebody, and it won't even be an angle for anything. For all we know, I mean, he could beat he could beat up Rusev again in the center of the ring. Oh God! Yeah, let's call that back. Right? 
You never, he could beat up all, the League of Nations could have a match. They could lose. And then The Rock could come out and just beat up the entire League of Nations. Probably. I mean, that could be something that The Rock does. Now, the difference between his surprise appearances and announcing it this time is they have a lot more tickets to sell. Yeah. And if you announce that The Rock is appearing, at least people know, okay, The Rock's going to be there. And maybe some people who are buying tickets might think he's wrestling and they'll be disappointed. I'm certain that's why they announced it. Yeah, and that's probably the intention. Like, let's get people thinking The the Rock will wrestle so we sell these tickets. Um, But yeah, I mean, they haven't done anything wrong. Announcing The Rock as appearing, if he only appears, is what they've advertised. So, I mean, he's not doing anything wrong. Um, I wonder how many people will be disappointed. I wonder how many people bought tickets on Monday or Tuesday thinking, oh, The Rock's going to wrestle. I have to get tickets now. I bet it was a pretty good number. I, I would say so. I bet it's a pretty good number. Um, this didn't happen on Raw, but it happens on SmackDown. So we're going to talk SmackDown spoilers for maybe the next 30 seconds, guys. Uh, have you seen what's happened on SmackDown? Mm, no. The final SmackDown on Sci-Fi, Tyler Breeze and Summer Rae have broken up. They have decided to part ways. No hard feelings. But the days of Summer Breeze are over. So this could mean a couple of things. They have an idea for Summer. <laughs> they have an idea. Don't laugh because I think that's the one that, that it, it's going to end up being. They have an idea for Tyler Breeze. Or maybe Tyler Breeze might be going down to NXT. I thought Summer Ray was going down to NXT again because I thought she was scheduled for one of these shows on the Midwest tour to face Bailey. Really? I thought I read that somewhere. Summer Ray. Summer Ray. Interesting. I don't. I don't know if Summer Ray would be the one that they would be sending down. I wonder if it was, uh, you know, Emma. I don't know. I'll look. I'll, I'll look for lineups and people advertised for these Midwest tours. Uh, but they could have an idea for Summer Ray. I mean, she might be better used as a second to someone else. But. I don't know what they're going to do with Tyler Breeze. I mean, that seems like a bad thing for Tyler Breeze, right? If you're if you're being told that Summer Rae is no longer going to be with you. Yeah, if they're taking away your hot valet and they think that was going to help get you over, you're you're in you're you're starting into fandango territory. Yeah. Uh I put up a poll at Shake Them Ropes on Twitter. I asked Bone Through Your Nose promo. <laughs> Poor taste, didn't bother me or both. And uh the winner well, right probably- now- both, right? 41% said didn't bother me. Okay. 35% said both and 24% said poor taste. Well, that's that's an odd question in terms of the choices. Yeah, well, I was doing it just off the cuff. Let's let's get something else in here also about raw before we leave it. Sasha and Becky in Brooklyn. Site of possibly the best women's match this year in WWE and it died a death Mm -hmm. because it wasn't built as two competitors it was built as pretty women dressed in costumes pouring eggnog on someone's head again all I want is motivation and competency and you have a feud this is not it this is not the way to build heat in in the divas division, if you're going to do that and they can't help themselves it, on Christmas shows, dressing right. them up in stupid costumes and lingerie and yeah. Santa it, sack shit. And 
it is a it's a slightly different audience than the crowd that was there at NXT. So you're getting a different uh, you know a different audience from Brooklyn. Uh, the people that are more disposed to, you know, chanting boring at the women regardless, just because of the way they've been portrayed on WWE TV for the last 10 years. So you're getting a larger portion of the crowd that's predisposed to doing that. Uh, and yeah, we, we don't have a reason to care about Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks in the WWE world. We had a reason to care in the NXT world, but we don't they have built, a reason they, to care in the WWE world. They built the Becky-Sasha match in NXT in two weeks, pretty much. They had two weeks here to build this match and did nothing. So, I mean, you, you wonder why my cynicism in the opening stanza, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I figured, too, with the split crew, because they had a WWE house show in Providence where, um, or no, Providence was on Tuesday, but they had a Allentown. house show, Allentown, Allentown, Pennsylvania, that's right, on Monday, where Charlotte was and where Paige was and where, you know, some of the other roster members were. So Dolph. you didn't have, it was a split crew, Dolph, you know, Tyler Breeze, all that. Uh, it was a split crew, so I figured we would probably get a longer Sasha Banks match in the show, and we did. But yeah, the crowd didn't necessarily care because they didn't have a reason to care for that particular match. Now, they went crazy when Sasha came out yeah, because they did have a reason to be happy that Sasha was out there because, mm. you know, we like Sasha, but we don't like what is going on in the ring right now. We don't like the other two members of Team Bad, even though they are a solid act, but we don't want them interfering in the match. And, you know, even the Becky promo was kind of listless in a way. It was a very Mick Foley-esque promo. Yeah. I mean, I can like an actor, but I don't have to like the movie they're in. And right Correct. now, we love Sasha Banks, but we don't like the movie she's in. You know, I, I like both these performers. I just don't like this script that they've been given and the way that they build these feuds. And it's just, it's maddening to see how easy it is. It, it's been really... In, in, their, in their developmental territory, how simple it is. And they can't even do basic feud building up here. I mean, why is anybody fighting for a secondary title in this company? Or even the main title? Nobody ever knows why Roman Reigns wanted the belt. Did he want to be the best? Did he want to do it for his family? Did, what, why did? Why does Roman Reigns want to be champion other than to be champion? Well, when he was going for it at WrestleMania, it seemingly was about the family. Like he wanted okay. to prove that, you know... Well, actually, he wanted to prove that he could do it on his own, that it wasn't just the family, and then he couldn't do it. But now, uh, now you know, it's just about uh, it's just about getting there. It yeah. was it was really this time just about okay, I failed so many times, I have to finally do it, or else I'm a complete failure. So this one really was out of fear. It was out of fear of being proven a failure. Mm. In a way. I think it's just I'm I'm here because this is where they tell me to be. Well, that too, that <laughs> that, that, that too. Um, yeah, I uh, I don't know what they're gonna do. It's interesting to see how far away they've kept Sasha Banks from Charlotte ever since the uh, you know the opening of the Divas Revolution where everyone was intertwined. Uh, Sasha Banks will get these long matches, but she's they not getting them. Her. Yeah, they they protect her. They don't get me wrong. They protect her. They just don't make her interesting no, they don't make her interesting they protect her as far as wins and losses go for the most part um but they keep her away from charlotte they kept her away from charlotte's angles over the last two months because eventually from, yeah they kept her away from nikki for a long time too yeah because you would think eventually she's going to be the one to mm -hmm. go up against whoever the champion is uh so becky lynch and charlotte looks like it's the next thing but i fear after all of this protecting of Sasha, 
that eventually she's just going to be one of 10 in a WrestleMania match for oh, yeah. the title. Oh, like yeah. all this protecting will be for not because she's just going to be thrown into the WrestleMania 10 woman, you know, whatever they do. And you wa- did you watch this week's Breaking Ground? I have, yes. <laughs> I like that Breaking Ground show. I, I liked it a lot, but but hearing Bailey say, yeah, and, you know, well, someday when Sasha and I are headlining WrestleMania, and I, I had poor little audible, heart. And I had audible. Oh. I know. Her poor little, you know, soon-to-be-disappointed heart. Yeah. God yeah. bless her, because... Hearing, hearing Natty go, how do you feel about going up to the main roster? I know, I know. Oh, they're just... I know they're teasing her really by giving her this big push in NXT and proving that it is possible to do. They're just teasing her. Let's see if she can stay happy. Teasing all of us. Like, look, look at what we can do when we try, but we're not going to, we're not even going to try when you get to the big stage. We're just going to do what we do. I would love them to take a year and actually try a different way of thinking, a different way of promoting their talent, a different way of promoting matches. Just go one year. Is it going to kill your business to go one year of the NXT philosophy, a philosophy you know already, you just don't use on the main roster. It's not like NXT developed this philosophy. They had it. It's been in wrestling for decades and decades. They just decided to use it in NXT. If you just tried that for a year in WWE to see if you could build up to a WrestleMania with these big matches and see if it works, and if it doesn't work, if you don't make as much money as you were when you were doing your current you know, brand representation, just go back to it. Go back to it. But Rob, would it would, would the brand be socially active in media? <laughs> you know, that's all they care about. It sure right would now. be. I yeah. agree. You agree, but well, our our focus group say that people really like this guy, so we're gonna put him on over and over again. It's like, ugh. Rolling Stone was covering NXT. You can still be socially available. Yeah, I'm not talking bring the talent of NXT up. I'm not talking. That's what I'm sa- not saying that either. I know exactly what you're saying. Yes. You're saying do simple build like they do on God, the, all these historical shows that they put up on the network, which are nothing more than mostly squash matches and a television main event. Right. You want to build up Roman Reigns, build up Roman Reigns to your next WrestleMania main event, but do it in a way that built up, you know, Finn Balor or Kevin Owens or, you know, you know, built up somebody. Dolph Ziggler of all people. You can use it with Dolph Ziggler. Give the guy wins. Give the guy wins. I don't know. But I mean, I don't see these philosophies, you know, coming to WWE anytime soon. It would just be interesting to try it. Like same thing with sports. When I, you know, try something for a year, see if it works. You can quickly go away from it if it doesn't work. Yeah. No, I, I, you and I are on the same page here. Just try something. Um, But yeah, that was raw. That was the last raw of the year. So coming up, you know, next week, we're going to get the first draw of 2016 with a world title match. We're going to get the brand new SmackDown uh, being live on USA Network with Mauro Ranallo's debut. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got some big, important things coming to WWE. We got the NXT TV tapings that are going to be happening. They have three TV tapings in January, three of them. So a lot of stuff is going to be happening with NXT. They added a second Chicago show. Did you see that? I saw that, a matinee. They're adding a matinee, a 1 p.m. Uh, uh, Eastern, I believe, is the start time. Um, yeah, they're going to be doing a second Chicago show. So for those of you in Chicago, at the Portage Theater, you can go twice if you want. Tickets went on sale as we're recording this, by the way. Oh. Yeah, tickets went on sale as we are recording this. So it'll probably be sold out by the time any of you listen to this. But that's pretty cool, adding a second show in Chicago. I hope... Um, 
Because you would think the idea is more people can now have a chance to see it. Whereas, oh, yeah, I hope so. I hope I hope it's not the same people buying tickets. That's, both that's the thing. Many of the people who are buying tickets are probably going to buy tickets to both shows. Because yeah. why not? So I hope WWE puts out the same exact card for both shows. <laughs> I mean, if a stand-up has two shows, you're not going to see different sets. Well, stay most for the, of the late time. set where we go a little blue. Come on. Right. Yeah, you do. Yeah, stand-ups do have a second set that they'll do late at night. Not always, so, though. Not always, but but a lot of times. Most, uh, yeah, yeah, sometimes. I'll, let I me don't... ask, since since we're we're transitioning here, and I don't know if you were planning on still doing this in any way, what was your match in the WWE this year? Match of the year. I tell you what, I still loved uh, the Cesaro John Cena Raw match is really good. That's up uh, there. I love that triple threat from Royal Rumble. I do as well. I I still. I still rank the Sasha Bailey match from NXT Brooklyn as my favorite match of the year. Yeah, that's an interesting question too because it popped up based on this episode of Breaking Ground. Like, which Bailey and Sasha match did you like better? And I agree, I like the Brooklyn match better. I'm, I'm a moments guy as well, and everything about that from the opening video up until even the curtain call, right, was just perfect for me. Yeah, I, I was a big fan of that one. Uh, we have, let's see. I want to update the poll. <laughs> Didn't bother me is now half of the votes. Bone okay. through your nose at shake them ropes is the Twitter feed. Bone through your nose promo. 50% say it didn't bother me. 27% say both poor taste and it didn't bother me. So people are agreeing. There is a good number of people that are agreeing. Yes, it was poor taste, but you know what? I didn't care. Right. So, and uh, I so basically, seventy-seven percent. They, they've, they've, they've suspended their reality. For the exactly, seventy-seven percent basically say it didn't bother them, whether you think it was poor taste or not. Interesting. Right. Uh, we did get some reactions. Parker on Twitter says, "Didn't bug me since it was stuff he actually did, and he was a heel getting heel heat." And I think that's always the excuse you can make, right? It's just a heel. Like when John, when JBL went to Germany and started goose stepping, it was heel heat. You can do almost anything, and the excuse will be. Heel heat. Does it ever go too far? Yes, I think so. I think when it's in very, very poor taste, it, it goes a bit far. And you know what? You also have to put this in context in some ways in that a lot of people believe Vince McMahon's a racist in some ways, or at least prejudicial towards minority talent. I mean, this is the same Raw show where we had R-Truth acting like a buffoon. Which is his new gimmick. I mean, not necessarily new. It's been a year and a half hey, now. This is gimmick. He's dumb. Yeah, he's dumb because he messed up the name of a town a few years ago. And so now he's dumb. And it, you, you know what? You know when racist heel heat is insulting? When it's insulting. That's when it gets to me. You know, R-Truth dressing up in a Confederate Army uniform was insulting to me. So, you know, I... But you, you turn around and as we get into our match today, I mean, Harley Race cut a slightly racist promo on Ron Simmons for that build, and that got heat. It was still in poor taste, but it got actual heat because I think you actually believed Harley Race might be somewhat racist, even if he was playing a character. You don't... It was such a... I mean, WWE has such a cartoonish acting style that I don't think even insulting stuff gets real heat unless it toes the line. Right. So, yeah, you may be right. 
little reminder, if you are shopping on Amazon uh, in the future here, you can help support Shake Them Ropes and Voices of Wrestling by using our affiliate link, voicesofwrestling.com slash Amazon. Uh, put that in your browser, save it. It takes you to Amazon where you can shop like normal and uh, gets a little kickback to the website. Uh, subscribe to us, subscribe on iTunes, rate and review us on iTunes. It is a free way to help support the website. You can talk about how shitty I am and how great Jeff is. Please. Perfectly fine with me. Uh, and (laughs) and subscribe on YouTube, youtube.com slash voices of wrestling. Uh, we'll take you to the website on YouTube, subscribe to us and you get all of our video post shows from NXT pay-per-views and select new Japan pro wrestling shows. Uh, so subscribe on YouTube, youtube.com slash voices of wrestling. It is time, Jeff, mm. for my year end NXT power rankings. Dun, 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 dun. I have no music, so I keep I, I need to get music for these things. I thought you had music. That's why I was being quiet. You were. You were very good. I'm starting to train you a little bit. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. To be quiet during times where I may have music. Unfortunately, for this one, I did not have music. So I'm going to have to uh, I'm going to have to spend a little time here in the future to make musical intros. All right, hold on. Let me scribble down a couple things here because I'm wagering on your power rankings. Okay. All right, good. You're All wagering? right, I'm ready. Yep. I'm ready. Yes, right. let's let's see if we match. Who exactly are you wagering with? Vegas. All right, cool. Yeah. I got a guy. Okay, yeah. No, I know. I mean, you have a lot of connections. You have guys with Lucha Underground. You have guys with betting on <laughs> Shake Them Ropes topics. The NXT power rankings. Number four, Hideo Itami and Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn came back on the London NXT taping. Uh, they have a couple of weeks where they're going to do best of shows, and then we'll be back with NXT. So Sami Zayn is coming back at a time where Tyler Breeze is no longer there. Uh, Samoa Joe is seemingly out of the title picture unless they keep going with Samoa Joe and Finn Balor. Uh, you, you're building up a lot of new names like Apollo Crews and Baron Corbin, but you still don't have you know the Kevin Owenses, and you don't have the the emphasis on the Divas division, the women's division that you did early last year to me, Hideo Itami, when he comes back and Sami Zayn, now they're coming back at a really good time where not only does NXT need them for touring, you know, away from Florida, but for doing more special shows, they're coming back at a time where now Hideo Itami has a little bit more leverage. You know, I I think his run in NXT cooled him off a little bit, but now having been away for a while, maybe coming back with a different attitude, Sami Zayn and Hideo Itami coming back at a very good time. You think he has leverage now, do you? Leverage now to not be pushed down at the bottom of the card, which he was starting to do. Oh, I think he's cannon fodder, possibly. Sami really? Zayn's going to be a star. I think I think Hideo Itami may be, may be turned into Funaki of the NXT division. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. You did I, Whether it becomes an angle or not, because Kevin Owens is gone with the whole Hideo Itami who injured him in the parking lot deal. Uh, mm-hmm. Whether that becomes a thing or not, we don't know. Maybe it was a way for Finn Balor to eventually turn heel. I think Hideo being away, Kevin Owens being off the roster. Um, you don't have the big names in the women's division right now, although they're getting that way. Like the women's division has definitely a way upward to go. Hideo Itami, I think, is in a pretty good spot to at least get a push upon his return in an important role. I don't think he's going to come back and all of a sudden just lose match after match and be the Tyler Breeze of the division. I I don't have your optimism here because he doesn't have a, he didn't have as much star credibility when he went out as Sami Zayn did. That's true. He didn't have the Sami Zayn quality, but uh, I am be I'm going to be optimistic for Hideo Itami. Okay. Number three, 
wrestling Twitter. Hmm. It is going to be a big year for wrestling Twitter in the NXT realm because you will have with NXT running all these shows outside of Florida on house events with most likely doing more takeovers and big arenas with all the names that could go from the main roster to the NXT roster from the independents and so forth. It'll be big time for the wrestling Twitter. Like who's at NXT full sale university this week. Who's appearing on the Wisconsin NXT live event out of nowhere. It's going to be a big year for him because if you're running both Florida and outside of Florida at the same time, you're going to have some names that are going to pop up on these NXT live events that may have been, uh, you know, unexpected per se. Could an Austin Aries show up somewhere in NXT this year? Could James Storm come back? Could we get more names from either TNA or ROH or wherever? It's going to be a big year. Like we didn't expect going into 2015 that it might've been as big as it was. And it was an exciting time around NXT. I'm looking forward to wrestling Twitter around the NXT arrivals and departures and not to mention call-ups. I mean, Finn Balor, Sami Zayn, all of the women in the division, there will be more call-ups from NXT this year coming up to WWE. So how will NXT rebound? I could see post WrestleMania raw having two or three guys from NXT come up and start on the main roster full time. What a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. It's an exciting time. Number two, we talked about a little bit. Chicago is number two on the power rankings, getting a matinee event, uh, another event here on January 16th. So you have two shows to go to, uh, and that will be a story to watch in uh, 2016 for NXT is how many of these shows continue to sell out because once it becomes a regularly touring promotion, I wonder if the nostalgia will wear off a little bit. I, I wonder if we'll be, uh, especially when they start running shows the second time around in towns. I'm interested to see when they go to Pittsburgh, they're running Pittsburgh again. If, uh, if you get a little uh, downturn in whether attendance or hype for it. Uh, so uh, Chicago and the NXT touring number two on the power rankings. I'm going to be interested in how call-ups affect the touring. Same here. In, in the future, especially, I mean, the first set of call-ups that we had this year with Divas and Kevin Owens and whatnot really didn't put a dent in a lot of the fan favorites right. of NXT, other than maybe Sasha and Becky. But if you call up a Sami Zayn and a Bailey, I wonder what that's going to do for the brand. Yeah, if you call both and, of them up. Or, or fin, and a Finn Balor, maybe. And that goes into number one on the power rankings, the new guys. Because if you call up all of these names, even if you call up Sasha or excuse me, uh, Sami Zayn and Bailey, say those are the only two call ups. Those are pretty big call ups and they leave a pretty big hole in NXT. And you're going to have guys like Apollo Crews, who has been around now for, uh, you know, a couple of months. You're going to have guys like Biff Busick coming in. Elias Sampson, who just debuted, uh, seems to be a character they might give a little time to. Uh, Jason Jordan and Chad Gable look to run up the tag team division in 2016. And Hugo Knox, Hugo Knox, a guy who has been more prevalent on the live events, who seems to be closer to being ready and has all of the looks that Vince McMahon seems to look for. We'll see how long he lasts in NXT and if he gets a big push. Uh, but yeah, all the new guys, the new guys are number one on the NXT power rankings because it will be their year in 2016. Okay. And you, that, went ser you went serious this week. I'm kind of proud of you. I went more serious, yes, because it's the year-end yeah. edition, Jeff. Ah, okay. Got to be important. It's the year-end edition. Uh, I, was hoping, I was hoping like Nia Jax's mom was going to be on the top five for some reason because she's great and I love her. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll return <laughs> to the true spirit 
of the power rankings. But no, I went a little bit more serious, uh, serious this week because it was a serious day. Very serious. In 1993. Oh. December 27th. Mm-hmm. A Monday. Yes. Starcade 1993, the main event of Vader and Ric Flair, match number 51 on our top 100 countdown, the best matches to see on WWE Network before you die. From Charlotte, North Carolina, Ric Flair's hometown, it was title versus career on a Monday night in Charlotte. Yeah, this is not a good show, top to bottom. This is a one-match show. If you look it up in the dictionary, Starcade 93 will be a one-match show. Thankfully, I only watched the one match. Good. <laughs> Good boy. Um, yeah, this uh, this was also a change of plans from what was originally uh, being built here because Starcade 93 was originally going to be the coronation as world champ of one Sid Vicious. But an altercation with Arn Anderson in a hotel, I believe, in London involving scissors and a squeegee, perhaps? Uh derailed those plans, so they were changed to putting Ric Flair in the match with Vader. And and the build to this, of course, you have Vader as an unstoppable monster. Um, you have Ric Flair, the, 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 the long, long-term fan favorite, no matter if he was a heel or a face in, the, in, in WCW, NWA. Everybody loved Ric Flair by this point, and he... To steal a term, he was the people's champ. And you had Harley Race, who had a history at Starcade with Ric Flair. Because the very first Starcade main event, which we watched on this top 100, was yes, Ric did. Flair versus Harley Race. So you had all these elements into it. And, and I loved, this is why I told you what, I loved the first seven minutes of Starcade 1993. Because everything about wrestling, everything about a feud, Everything about building a character on both sides of the equation. We're in this. You had Vader killing dudes. You had Harley Race driving him to the arena early. Well, yeah, I, I want to go through this. I want to okay, go through go the ahead. opening segments of this pay-per-view. I will allow you to do it justice. So the very first thing you see on the pay-per-view is a video package. Mm-hmm. I couldn't remember if it was narrated. Like, I don't believe there was narration, was there? Uh, I think there was. Yeah. Okay, there was a little narration, but you didn't notice it because I was so enthralled with watching the video to see the history. I wanted to know, you know, without researching beforehand, because I like to I like to just watch the presentation and then I'll research it after the match. I'll research why I saw this, why why this happened and so forth. Mm-hmm. So without any research, you go in, there's a video package of of Ric Flair, okay? And and Ric Flair, it's uh it's all the struggles in his life. It's the newspaper clippings of the plane crash. You know, it, yeah, it, it, it goes from him being like that all-American teen right. star high school athlete to then the plane crash in the NWA. Yeah. Exactly. So it was the stuff he had to overcome. Whereas Vader, it's just him beating up everybody. Like, it's just, okay, this guy has to come back from so much, and he has to take on this powerhouse who's beaten up everybody. So that's just the video package. Then you get a little intro from, uh, from your commentary team. You have Jesse Ventura, Tony Schiavone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it gets in the heart of the matter. Vader had arrived to the building early. Five hours early. Five hours early with Harley Race getting yeah. out of their car. It was a it was a mild day in Charlotte on this Monday. <laughs> I looked up the weather. It was about 50 degrees. Okay. But Vader gets out wearing the mask with a towel around his neck and his Ribera jacket. 
The towel is tucked into the Ribera Steakhouse satin jacket and, and sweatpants. And there are fans <laughs> who are uh, outside of the arena cheering him on and kind of making noise. And Vader is, you know, threatening them from 100 yards away. Oh, this is my kind of party. That's right. This is my kind of party. Yeah. That's right. He's getting everyone, getting everyone all jacked up. He's doing stretches in the ring. He's shadow boxing. He's hitting the ropes. Harley Race is, you know, you know, Harley running them all done. over the place. Keep focused. Keep focused. Come on, we're gonna go do this. And then, then in the ring, he's, he's like, yeah, he's working out with bands. Yeah, stretch those bands. Now run the ropes. And Vader's getting gassed. Yeah, but still, <laughs> it's all work. Yeah, and then, it, and then he's punching hands, and those things. You could feel them through the screen how hard he was hitting Harley Race's hands. That's right. I mean, this wasn't a situation where it was a cocky champion coming in dressed in a suit. Oh, no. He came to work. That's right. He came to work. And in contrast, you have Tony Schiavone talking about how Ric Flair hasn't even arrived to the building yet when the show has begun. Yes. A Rick very somber, somber Tony Schiavone. You know, Ric Flair hasn't arrived to the building yet. And and, and Ventura is, is aghast. What do you mean he's not at the building yet? That's right. It's a, it's a situation you wouldn't uh, expect of the challenger. So they cut to uh, Ric Flair's home. And this is, uh, you know, supposed to be live. They're at Ric Flair's home. Gene Okerlund is there standing next to Ric Flair as Ric Flair says bye to his family. And the family's looking all worried. And Gene Okerlund even mentions it. And he's hugging little David. And he's hugging, hugging Reed and hugging little Ashley. Saying bye to his wife. And Gene Okerlund interviews him on the way from his front door to the limo waiting to drive them to a, the arena talking about how uh, your family's worried. Are you worried? And Ric Flair's like, of course I'm worried. I'm going up against Vader. This interview is awesome because it feels, it, it feels important. It feels like, okay, Ric Flair, like you really see that Ric Flair is going into a fight that he doesn't even know if he can win yet. I may be in over my head here, but I know what I got myself into when I signed the contract. Right. But Gino, and, 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 and Gene's not being a hype man here. No, he's not being Blair's, a hype man. No, nope. Blair's not being the boisterous woo, right. kind of guy that he is. It, it's very low key and it's awesome to see both of them like this. But it's crazy, too, because you also look at Gene Okerlund, who looks as if he's going to possibly the death of Ric Flair. A funeral. He's acting like he's at a funeral. Yeah. I mean, as if he was walking Ric Flair to the executioner's chamber. Mm hmm. I, uh, Rick, I mean, are you worried? I mean, this is it's the last time we might see you. I'm really depressed. Of course, of course they're worried. And of course I'm worried. You know, it's like, wow. Wow. And, and Gene Oakland's like any, any man's family would be. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> and, and, and Rick was, Rick's just like, you know what? When I signed the contract, I knew what I was getting myself into here. So and, they get, uh, they get into the limo and Gene yeah. Oakland is still talking with Rick. The camera, exactly. the camera is outside the door. They close the door of the limo. The camera is outside <laughs> the door, but they're still mic'd up. So uh -huh. this cameraman is just watching Rick and Gene talk for a little bit. And then when they're done, they're like, okay, let's get to the arena. And let's it, go, Jeff. Yeah, yep. and it worked as both a uh, a sign for the limo to start and a kickback to the arena for Tony Schiavone and Jesse Ventura. Mm -hmm. And that was the the first six minutes of the show really told the story about what you're going to see in the main event. Like, they knew it was a one-match show, so let's spend the first match time, basically, promoting the main event of the show and getting people even more excited for it. Exactly. And not to mention, it was in Charlotte. It was in Ric Flair's hometown. So think of the crowd reaction that would happen. You know, when these guys enter the ring, this crowd goes nuts for Ric Flair because mm -hmm. it is his hometown crowd. It is possibly the last time they will see him because these stipulations, at least in this case, the people bought the steps. They thought Ric Flair could actually be retiring on this night. 
and what better place to do it than in Charlotte? So yeah, and and the internet was around during this time. It wasn't as big or prevalent, but that you know, you could work it a little bit if you wanted to. And and you know, there was rumors going. Well, maybe it is. You know, who knows? It's in Charlotte. It's in Charlotte. It could be the end. Uh, when they were doing the entrances, because they do the entrances for Vader and Ric Flair, and I love it. Michael Buffer is doing the ring intros, right? And Ric Flair comes out, and Michael Buffer. You know, one of these great lines where he's just saying like one liners that aren't always in context, <laughs> the, the non sequitur <laughs> entrance. Yeah. Before saying his name, he has made a vow of victory. Yeah. <laughs> As if anyone who goes in the ring hasn't. I mean, no, that's kind of what they're there for. Well, Dolph Ziggler doesn't. He's there to entertain that's and right. steal the show. He's that's right. not there to, you, to win. You found the one, the one outlier, <laughs> Dolph Ziggler. Uh, but yeah, Ric Flair had made a vow of victory, you yes. know, with with himself, with his lord, with his family. If he didn't win this match, he was done. So we made a vow of victory, uh, and then we get to the match, Jeff. Yes, uh, I love I love Vader's WCW music. It's that dun 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 dun. You know, it's just very, <laughs> it's very James Cameron. Uh, Asking, he's you know he's do, still doing kind of the the lean on the on the knee that he used to do when he had the uh, the helmet with the smoke that came out yeah and the Vader sign, but this starts out with Vader just killing Flair, absolutely killing him until you know and 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 really getting the crowd worried until they go outside and Rick has a very short comeback and this crowd pop when he gets those first few chops in on yeah. the outside. Wow. Because they were, I mean, Vader was so strong in this match early on and beating yeah. Ric Flair all the way up that they were hoping for any bright spot. So that one or two chop sequence, you know, they were just begging for it. They wanted Rick to do something to make their hope in him not, you know, useless. And then back to the heat because Vader would be just killing him here. Uh, and I, I loved Harley Race and his terrible perm mullet. Is just, this is what you wanted, Rick. This is what you wanted the whole time, just talking smack at Rick while Vader's killing him. And it, it's funny because in most Ric Flair matches, when he goes up to the top rope, he fails. He ne- everybody everybody always says it. it's become a running joke. Don't go to the top rope, Rick. You ne- it never works. Right. Face Ric Flair, it works four times in a row. Coming off the top rope with the chops on uh, on Vader. It's all about positive thinking. But there is a there is a spot in the in the second heat sequence i believe where uh is it flair comes off the rope and vader hits him with a clothesline or vader hits him with a clothesline coming off 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 the turnbuckle where he literally punches him in the mouth oh well it happened i believe right in the center of the ring but i know exactly what you're talking about and he starts bleeding he started, yeah, no, and he and he he loosened some teeth yeah and 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 hit him in the lip and you can hear rick just take that kind of, what are you? And there's, ah, oh, like that just covers for it. Right. And, and Rick still a professional, ever the professional, uh, doesn't, doesn't appear to get payback on him in this match either. It's just a hey, Vader works stiff. This is what I signed up for. Let's keep going. And Vader was working stiff. And this match was really a story about Vader had the overpowering, you know, uh, he, I mean, he was on top for much of the match. He was overpowering Ric Flair, but Ric Flair would ever once in a while come out with a chop or a kick. Uh, and that was 
I mean, the story all the way to the finish, because even the finish was kind of a situation where Ric Flair wasn't dominating Vader and he wasn't really winning on Vader. He just, no. he just kind of caught him because until until they went out to the outside that second time. And Harley right. yep. Race is distracting the ref. Yep. And and Rick picks up that that weird plastic chair and hits him in the head. Yep. And it made me realize because the chops off or the chops or whatever he was doing off the top weren't getting real big face pops off of him. But when he hit Vader with his chair, when Harley was distracting the ref, this crowd came alive. And I realized they're not here to see Ric Flair, the wrestler and memory of his career. They're here to see the dirtiest player in the game. They're here to see the Ric Flair they grew up on. The guy would cheat to win and do anything he could to win. And Ric Flair is just hitting him with this weird plastic chair a couple times in the head while Harley Race just keeps stalling the ref for some inexplicable reason. And once they're back in the ring, Harley Race is now half naked because he's taking off his jacket. He's getting so enraged with this ref telling him he has to, can't be bothered and whatnot that he gets up on the apron, goes around and up to the top turnbuckle while Flair is on top of Vader and goes for the signature headbutt of Harley Race and misses and hits Vader. That was awesome. Yeah, the, the finishing sequence and the, was and really... And Pee-wee uh, Anderson, Pee-wee Anderson shoves Harley Race out of the ring. Yeah, he just dumps him out. <laughs> Randy Anderson's the referee. I mean, Harley Race goes up for that headbutt, accidentally hits Vader because he was a little too slow to try and break up that count. So he pushes Harley Race out. Right. Uh, and you think Ric Flair, this is the spot, right? That Ric Flair is going to uh, going to come alive here. Nope. Uh, not quite. Uh, Flair, he he goes into, uh, he tries to get, what does he do here? Um, Vader. He had had the figure four on a couple times. That's right. Vader, Vader picks him up, throws him into the ropes, and gives him a big body splash. That's right. He gives him the body splash. Uh, the because standing Rick, body well, splash, kind of, you know, the shoulder tackle type of body splash type of thing. Right. Yeah. Ric Flair looked to be on top. He was looking, but I mean, nothing he could do uh, to get away from the power of Vader. So Vader gives him the body splash and Vader just, you know, still in pain. He's still selling, you know, what has happened the last minute and two minutes. But when Flair falls down, he grabs the leg. What is it? No, he he doesn't. Nope. He doesn't grab the leg right there. And Vader isn't posing. Okay. Vader turns a little bit, kind of gives one of those, Oh, I finally got him off my back. Now I can have a breather for a second. Uh-huh. Turns around and Ric Flair gets right back up, goes for the leg, kind of in a chop block almost, but really yeah. just kind of lifts the leg. Yeah. And Vader tumbles backwards. Ric Flair get gets on top of him. Quickest three count you've ever seen. And it's a one, two, three before Vader <laughs> even knows what happened. Right. And that is the way that Ric Flair won the WCW world title and did not have to retire there in Charlotte, a 21-minute match, uh, so got some pretty good time. But you knew right away, and especially based on who was involved in this match with Vader, that it wasn't going to go much longer than 20, 25 minutes. And it was a quick 21 minutes. I mean, the whole match, while it's still an overpowering guy kind of going on the challenger that you want to have some hope for, it still went pretty went by pretty quick for me. I was invested in this uh, in this match, you know, 20 years after it's happening. Now, did you watch the aftermath? I did. I watched the okay, aftermath. Because there are some amazing things in this aftermath of the match. Ric Flair does not stay to celebrate the victory with the fans. He just walks to the back and waves on his way back. He waves on his way. They they cut to the back where Vader is throwing a tantrum in the locker room. They cut to yeah, Eric, Eric Bischoff, who was supposed to be interviewing Vader. 
Eric Bischoff gets out of harm's way because Vader is going nuts, like tearing lockers down and and screaming. Vader's screaming at Harley Race for blowing it. Yeah, and he's screaming that he wants it back. He wants wants the championship back back because that match, he's not a guy who is going to go up to the backstage and laugh that he lost. He's a guy who's mad his title was taken away. And not only that, they have the perfect touch here. All the lockers are covered in plastic as if there was going to be a champagne celebration for Vader when he came back. And instead, Vader just starts trashing the locker room. I thought that was a great little... That was a a nice little added touch. Like you could, okay, he was planning his victory party Mm -hmm. uh, while being serious at the same time. This wasn't the guy who was overlooking the victory. Nope. Um, But yeah, Ric Flair gets the win. And then after that tantrum, uh, you have Tony Giovanni and Jesse Ventura cutting back where Ric Flair has come back out to give an encore. Yeah, he's he's, he's, he's waved because they're stalling for time because I think there's a video problem in the back. (laughs) <laughs> because remember there, Tony couldn't hear out of his headset at one point. Cause he kept, he pointed to it when they came back to his camera and uh, yeah, Flair comes out waves and then they go to the back where um, is it Gene that's interviewing in the locker room, Ric Flair. Um, I believe it is. Yeah. Well, his family is there. Yeah. And... Well, the thing is Ric Flair can't talk because he's been punched in the mouth right. by Vader. Yeah. He's broken. Well, I mean, he legitimately, I don't think, can form words because his mouth is swelling up. <laughs> and so it's a very low-key interview as opposed to what you usually get. Right. He's including, broken. Including congratulations from two of the worst babyface promos in the business, Sting and Ricky Steamboat. I love them to death, but their promos are usually terrible. Although Sting was pretty good here, I thought. Yeah, I did. Uh, I actually, I didn't watch any of the other matches, but I did watch the finish of that Sting Road Warrior Hawk. Versus the Nasty Boys? Yeah, oh, God. Oh, yeah. Oh, my but God. But, you know, Sting gives a nice little promo about his competition with, with Flair over the years because Flair can't cut a promo right now, which would be the norm. norm. And then they bring in Ricky Steamboat, who... Ricky Steamboat's always dreadful. I'm sorry. He just always is. He never has sentences that make sense. He knows what he wants to say, but he can never clearly state it. And then they're trying to talk to his his wife, who really doesn't have a lot to say. <laughs> And, but it's a nice, it's a nice naturalist slice of life for a guy who, who unfortunately on the big moment they were planning when he probably cut some very poignant promo, got hit in the teeth, so he can't talk. Oh, I loved it. It was a good match. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Ric Flair, Vader. Uh, the world title from Starcade 1993. Next week, match number 50, the halfway point, uh, King of the Ring 1998. A seminal moment. Now, but now before we leave this, I'll, I'll, I'll hype the match after this. I, did you read uh, any any reviews or anything of this match? I saw what uh, Dave Meltzer. I was going to ask if you read what he said, because I think it feeds into two of his weaknesses, recency bias and Ric Flair bias, because he said this is possibly one of Ric Flair's greatest performances and one of Tony Schiavone's greatest performances on commentary. And I wanted to see if you agreed with either of those statements. Well, I thought it was a great Ric Flair performance. Um, I don't know if it was his best. Right. Um, I don't even think it was his best up until that point. Cause he had those 89 runs with steamboat. And, and, it, and it's not like, it's not like he was carrying a stick. I mean, Vader was right. more than capable. Oh, yeah. Especially working that style of match. So it's not like he was going out there with someone who couldn't work. So uh, and Tony Schiavone, the the best part to me is like you would notice every once in a while when Jesse Ventura would just be so anti, you know, good. And when he would just be uh, 
I mean, he was Jesse was pretty good, uh, but there would some be some periods where it would stick out. Like Jesse, you're going a little too far there. Exactly. Uh, overall, I didn't notice the commentary that much, which is a good thing. Yeah, I didn't notice it either, and I went back and heard. I went, well, you know, I've heard Shivani be better, especially when Shivani and Ross were working together on some of the earlier clashes. That was that may have been. It may have been peak Shivani, just because at this point he had had plenty of experience calling shows. Right, and it was before they got into the Monday Night era, where he had to deal with the goofiness of Bobby Heenan and Larry Zbysko, where it was kind of probably beaten out of him a little bit. So you could right. say that this might have been the peak, you know, ninety three to ninety five peak Tony Schiavone. Yeah, this is where he was transitioning from sports announcer to sports entertainment announcer. Right, which is what he had to do with Nitro for the most part. But uh, no, uh, yeah, next week King of the Ring, Undertaker versus Mankind, Hell in a Cell. Yeah, and, th- and well, this match, uh, this show, really, you could say either this show or a couple of months later kind of marked the end of, you know, pre-modern WCW. For a company that wasn't around, like, forever, they have different eras, yeah. don't they? I mean, you have the modern WCW where Hogan came in and then it was the Monday Night era. And this kind of marked the end of the, you know, the Southern era. Yeah, this this marked the transition to the wasteland that was Hulk Hogan WCW pre-Nitro. Yeah, because that was coming soon. Six months later would be the uh, Hulk Hogan-Rick Flair match where Rick Flair was back to being a heel. Oh, dear God. For the savior of the masses, Hulk Hogan. Uh, but next week, we are going to talk about Undertaker and Mankind from King of the Ring, 1998. That is match number 50 on the countdown. We'll also have whatever happens on Raw. We'll have the push towards the Royal Rumble, and we'll see if any more names come out of the hat as far as appearing at WrestleMania. Do you see uh, Supernatural? You like that show, don't you? No. Oh, you don't? Okay, I don't watch but it either. I've, I've seen it a couple times on reruns on TNT. And stuff. I guess uh, Supernatural is going to do a, a wrestling-themed episode. Okay. At uh, I think it's based at a WrestleMania or something like that. Uh, but that was in the news the other day. I, I, I only noted it because I thought you would watch that show, but I was wrong. No, I'm not a big fan of uh, science fiction. Because I don't know that. Because apparently, mm. Jeff, you don't like me, and we're not friends. <laughs> We don't know everything about each other. We don't. We don't. Uh, but we will learn more as the weeks progress as we come back for Shake Them Ropes into 2016. Um, yeah, we talked about some of the best matches that we uh, that we liked. Just kind of, you know, on this closing note, um, the triple threat from Royal Rumble. Who would you say, uh, I'm not talking breakout star. I'm not talking guy who came from nowhere and is now a big thing or whatever. Uh, who do you think had the, maybe the best 2015 or, you know, goes into 2016 with the the best stock, if you will. Uh, who impressed you the most in 2015? 2015, the two people that impressed me most in WWE were Seth Rollins and Sasha Banks. Yeah, I think I think Sasha did very well for herself. Sasha did well for the division. Right. In NXT. Like And I think Seth Rollins was a savior on main event matches. Yeah, I think I mean, Seth Rollins the is the year. one. I, he really is the one. Like, you could call Kevin Owens a breakout star, but Seth Rollins is the one who increased his stock in the company the biggest, yeah. even yeah. more than Roman Reigns, because now you have a guy who, Seth Rollins, will be a top guy, kind of like Randy Orton, possibly for the next five to seven years. And now that, you know what, oddly enough, now that he's injured, people are going to miss him. So they he's going to have... So he's going to have that kind of, man, you remember those great matches he used to put on? Well, now he's back and we love him. He's going to have that 2002 Triple H 
comeback, yeah, right? Where, exactly, yeah. you know, you you kind of grew tired of him a little bit, although you recognized how good he was in the ring. But mm-hmm. now he comes back from this big injury, and we're going to be all about him for a short time. Yeah, and for Sasha, look, it's, I'm not going to say on the week-to-week basis once she got called up to the main roster, but she's been solid on the main roster. But But her work in NXT this past year really helped solidify the need or the want to have a divas revolution with their matches with, you know, Charlotte and Becky and, and, and Bailey. What, what would you say if I asked you, what's your one wish for 2016 wrestling related? What is your big wish going into the next year? Um, for the main roster to really plan out what they want to do on a week to week basis to build these feuds. Cause I think all the problems that we have, in these angles that we're watching that don't mean anything can be attributed to that. Mine would be for the return of Brad Maddox. In a world of one million wrestling podcasts, there is a new shining star with great interviews, analysis, music, and and me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.